This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Played by Shetland Band Homebrew, signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month for the Shetland and Orkney Connection, produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and broadcast on Plans FM 96.9, either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband, or available for three months after the broadcast via podcast on the website www.plansfm.org.nz. Thank you.
Welcome everyone to the July program of the Canterbury, Shetland and Orkney Connection, which is presented by Canterbury, Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by Community Radio, Plains FM 96.9. The program is broadcast at 8.30 on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. I'm Heather Craw and I have with me today Jan Mackay and Helen Baker. If you've travelled to either Shetland or Orkney, you will have noticed some unusual place names. For instance, in Shetland we have Grunka Hallia, Titimans Hill, Clumpers, Mardle Swanky, Elvis Vaux, The Niz and Fografiddle. In Orkney we have Bloody Tuax, Dishes, Sinians of Cutclaws, The Loons, Queen Amone, Gumpick and Rotten Gutter. And that's only a few of the ones I could pronounce. Some of the Shetland ones, especially, I find a bit difficult. It makes it interesting when you're driving around the islands looking at all the road signs. <laughs> yeah. Now, a hundred years ago, a step forward, it is understood that an official from the post office will be in Orkney shortly to canvas for subscribers to a telephone system in Kirkwall and throughout the country with mobile phones, how it's all changed now. Mm. Yeah. I can remember sitting in Melbourne Airport oh, this was years ago when mobile phones were just coming out of the bricks mm. and there was this young girl talking on the phone and she thought she was the cat's pyjamas. You know, yes, she was. Yeah. She'd probably need a wheelbarrow to carry yeah. it. <laughs> it's funny how things happen, isn't it? A couple of months ago we were talking about George Mackay Brown, the Orkney writer and poet, and I said I must get a book of his to read. Well, I picked one up called Green Vaux, and this was his first book, at the last Shetland and Orkney Society meeting. A well-written story, I thought, about simple village life on a small, fictitious island of Orkney, until big business arrived, evicted the villagers and demolished their houses. They built accommodation for their workers and drilled a few tunnels on the island. Then as quickly as they had come, they had packed up and left, leaving the little island devastated. Now last week while I was waiting to get my hair cut, I was looking through an old, and it was a 1977 Scots magazine, they are nice and small and fit easily in one's handbag. There was an article in this one about the South of Scotland Electricity Board wanting to do some test drilling in Orkney for uranium. The islanders were not too happy about this, although if uranium had been found, on the one hand it would have brought a lot of wealth to Orkney. On the other hand, it would have introduced hazards to health and the environment, radioactivity, dust storms and industrial noise. The article went on to say the kind of disaster presaged by George Mackay Brown in his novel Green Vaux has come uncannily close to be a possibility. And I thought it was just quite strange that mm. <laughs> I just finished reading the book and there are that. Yeah, yeah, and things that were written about that seemed so terrible yeah. have yeah. often come about. Yeah. Now some snippets from the Shetland Times and the Orcadian. The last surviving Second World War recipient of the Victoria Cross has visited Shetland 78 years after receiving the award. Former Flying Officer John Crookshank, now 102 years old, received the award for gallantry for his services with the RAF and the sinking of a German U-boat during the Second World War, while based at Sullum Vaux. 
He laid a wreath at the memorial in honour of his former navigator, Flying Officer J.C. Dixon, who died during the fight with the German submarine. He did visit Shetland in 2016, but this time it's the 78th anniversary of the death of his navigator, and he wanted to remember him and all those who flew from Sullumvo during the war. It will be good to see the place again, he said. I spent several weeks at the military hospital in Lerwick after the bombing raid and was treated very well there. Recently, the island of Fula was the subject of a Scottish TV documentary called Island on the Edge. The Scotland Tonight special looked at how the remote island, 20 miles off the coast of Shetland, works hard to deal with the challenges of island life. With Fula Wool and the tourist trade expanding, it is hoped this will attract new families while retaining some of the young people already there. Sheila Gear, aged 81, is one of the residents interviewed and she said she was concerned about cuts to services to Fula. Sometimes we have to fight quite hard to keep hold of our communities. I wonder if this program will ever be shown in New Zealand. Mm, yes, I'd like to see that it is. Mm. Mm. Now, are you looking for a change in your life? Well, here's your chance. First, the St Magnus Bay Hotel in Shetland is on the market. This comes just weeks after the current owners warned the hotel was facing closure because they were unable to recruit new members of staff. They have run the 27 guest room hotel for the last 15 years. The hotel has stood many storms, witnessed two world wars, numerous economic calamities, many great prime ministers have come and gone and she still stands her ground. The owners will stay on until the new team take her on her next journey. Oh, don't you wish you lived there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Second, the ferry service that has transported passengers between Orkney and John O'Groats in the north of Scotland for over 50 years is now up for sale. The present owner, Mr Fermor, said that they were selling everything you would need to run a turnkey ferry operation from John O'Groats to Berwick on the southern end of South Ronaldsay, Orkney. For the past 30 years, Fred and Deborah Fermor have been spending the summer season running the ferry service and now at the age of 60 they've decided it's time to retire and have some summer holidays themselves. Mm, I think mm. they will have deserved some holidays. Mm. Yeah. I wonder where they'll go. Yeah. Oh, they said down, you know, oh gosh, I can't remember, but the down Alps or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So, right away from it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the last surviving Italian prisoner of war who spent time at Lamhome, Roberto Pendini, died on July the 4th, 2022, at his home in Italy, aged 98. He was the last of the 550 men who were captured in North Africa and taken to Camp 60 on the island. He had returned to Orkney a couple of times and on one visit had helped Domenico Ciacchetti work on the Italian chapel. Like many of the men who visited over the years, he also spoke with considerable emotion of the fact that although prisoners, they had been well treated on Lamb Home. Mm. Probably wasn't a bad place to spend the war. No. It was cold though, I think they found it was pretty cold. Because they, they were mostly Italian. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, as you say, they, they yeah. were on the island, well it was mm. hard to get off it. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah. Mm. 
And they built a beautiful chapel, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, although that wasn't till right near the end, actually. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bright blue skies and a shining sea welcomed passengers on MV Alfred to the Pentland Firth a couple of weeks ago. What started as a calm afternoon crossing to St Margaret's Hope came to a juddering halt when the ferry, with 97 passengers on board, ran aground on the island of Swanner. Halfway across, the boat started to slow. Then there was a big bang as it ran aground. One person was taken to hospital, but most injuries were bumps and bruises. One passenger was planning to move to Walkney and had all his stuff in his car. He ended up in a lifeboat where it was very, very cold and not the most pleasant experience for his pet snake. He had to put her down into his boxes to keep her warm. Is that what you expect to see on the ferry? (laughs) Oh, I can remember, I hate snakes and I can remember being on a train going to... um, the Lake District, and this guy got on and he had a snake and he was just sitting across the aisle with me and he was playing with it. You know, it was only a little one. Oh. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> I continue. Yeah, so he had to put it down his boxes to keep it warm. The ferry was refloated and made its way onto St Margaret's Hope under its own steam. The grounding has been investigated by the Marine Accident Investigation Branch. Since the accident, Northlink ferries have put on extra sailings from Scrabster to Strumness to cope with passengers who were booked on future sailings of the Alfred. They are planning to put the MV Pentlina back in service while Alfred is away being repaired. And I just saw on the computer today that the Pentlina is back on in service. It was the, the original ferry. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. I imagine it would be it wouldn't be a pleasant experience running aground. No. 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 Mm. Yeah. Royal Navy divers were in Scarpa Flow recently after a suspected torpedo was found on the seabed. A 100 metre exclusion zone was put in place and mariners were asked to avoid the area. The torpedo was found between Flotter and South Ronaldsay as part of a seabed survey being carried out by the MV Athena in advance of laying of cables. The Navy divers moved the torpedo well away from underwater cables, pipelines and fish farms before having a controlled explosion to destroy it. Goodness, what's lurking under the water? Well, that's the trouble, isn't it, you know? Yeah, there's mm. probably a lot more down there too that they yes. yeah. mm. The heat wave in the UK over the last weeks has hit Ferrol, where the highest temperature since 1974 of 22.6 degrees Celsius was recorded. In Orkney, temperatures have been warm too, with temperatures around 37 degrees Celsius but I haven't seen what the temperatures have been in Shetland yet mm. can't have been too bad or they were, mm. I'm sure well, it would have been in the table yeah. mm. 37 is terribly hot for all isn't it? it is yeah mm. yeah when you think of poor old London that's 40 degrees oh, Gosh, Lon- London's awful in t- at 25 <laughs> <laughs> the final series of Shetland to star Jimmy Perez is due to be aired soon but it is not the end of the series. Filming for Series 8 is scheduled to begin in the spring. Douglas Henshaw, who has spent over nine years playing the character, said they had decided to do Series 6 and 7 to complete the story of Jimmy Perez. Henshaw now wants to pursue other acting opportunities. He said it had been one of the privileges of his career to play Jimmy Perez and to work with so many wonderful people and to spend time in Shetland. 
Series 6 came to a dramatic conclusion when Jimmy Perez's future hanging in the balance after he was framed for murder. Fans will be eager to find out how his fate unfurls and how he will bow out once and for all. Mm. It'll be a good binge watch. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) A celebration took place recently to mark the 200th anniversary of the Coast Guard. The event was held on board the Northlink ferry Frossy, providing a maritime link to the occasion. Shetland is an island nation and has relied on the services of the Coast Guard from the start. Interestingly, its first prime role was to stop smuggling and to recruit for the Navy, but now saving lives is the main reason for the service and over the years has helped save many thousands of lives. Shetland and Orkney owe a huge debt of gratitude to all staff and volunteers who over the years have worked with the Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a great de- job that in the lifeboat service. Mm-hmm. In 1775, Saturday was begging day, and this is the account of James Fee. On the narrowest part of the island is situated the town of Kirkwall and the parish of St Ola, a populous and pretty large town containing about 1,500 inhabitants. It is situated in a bay called Kirkwall Bay, in very low and marshy ground, in which the inhabitants would have had an uncomfortable (laughs) habitation, were it not that the tide comes up very near the back of the town and effectively carries away the filth, which in such a situation behoved to be very noxious. The inhabitants in general are very polite, hospitable and kind to strangers. But I'm sorry to say that little industry is encouraged in our country, that by no means can be assigned by which the lower class of people get their bread. Mm. By reasons of having no employment, they must live very wretchedly. They become indolent and lazy to the last degree insomuch that rather than raise cabbage for their own sake, they will steal them from others. And instead of being at pains to prepare the turf, what they mean by that is peat, I think, Mm. um, which they have for the mere trouble of cutting up and drying, yet rather than do so, they will steal it from those who are richer or more industrious than themselves. Thus they pass their days in wretchedness, in ignorance and wickedness. Every Saturday, which day they are privileged to beg, a troop of miserable, ragged creatures are seen going from door to door, almost numerous to plunder the whole town. Were they to exert themselves against, in an hostile manner at least, if their valour was in proportion to their distress, the good old days. Yes. Yeah. Poor, wretched people. Yeah. No wins, payments to help them. No social security, yeah. Mm. Shetland evacuation. Perched on an outcrop, the maze of houses on South Havre gaze out towards the southern tip of the Shetland mainland. They are similar in design, tidy corners, fireplaces and a stone's throw from their neighbours, and one of many Shetland islands which have been abandoned and left to the elements. But why did its residents depart? Adeline Fullerton's family was the last to leave South Havre in 1923. I live and breathe Havre. They spoke about it so much, she said. For many people like Adeline, there is still a palpable connection to an ancestral island. Her grandparents lived in her family home, 
where conversations would often turn to the land they left behind. There were always regular visits from Havre friends. The talk would always end up on old stories of the island. Adeline's father and his family had moved to nearby Barra when he was eight years old, but he always thought of himself as a Havre man. The decision for people to leave the island where they were born was a difficult one. Many were forced into the choice by social or economic changes, but that didn't make it any easier. And when the first people left, it created a domino effect. There weren't enough people to keep the place going and grow the food they needed, said Adeline. It had to be lonely. It wasn't separate houses. It was all one house in different buildings. So why did people leave a place they loved? Largely, it revolved around centralisation and a move away from subsistence living. The number of people living on Shetland peaked at more than 31,000 in the 1860s. Dr Ian Tate, the curator of Shetland Museum, described it as a bloated population. Shetland wasn't able to support that kind of population. Folk were having to eke out a living on very feeble quality ground, he said. Mm. It became increasingly difficult for islanders to make their own buildings, clothes and tools, forcing them to move away from less accessible sites. This made migrating to places like New Zealand and US and the South Africa more attractive, causing a dramatic drop in the island's population. The figure fell to 17,000 in the 1960s, although it now stands at 23,000. Only 15 of Shetland's 100 islands are inhabited. Industry once dominated life on the islands. Shetland doesn't have a railway station, but Hilda Say, one of the Scalloway Islands, did have its own rail tracks. Back in the 1890s, it was home to a large quarry and had a population of 30 people. Materials from the quarry were transported along the tracks and then shipped as far away as Australia. To this day, enormous blocks of granite lie unmoved as a quiet reminder of a time when the island was busy. But then activity in the quarry stopped towards the end of the 19th century. They ran into bad stone, said Tommy Ibister, whose in-laws owned the island. The quarry's success dwindled as poor quality stone was dug out and cheaper options were easily found elsewhere. Fishing was also an important industry for Hildesay. Boats came ashore to leave fish for drying in spring and summer months. But as tastes and catches changed, so did life in Hildesay. Eventually, herring became big fishing, and boats got bigger and had engines, said Tommy. There's no harbour here at Hildesay, so they had to move on to somewhere that did have one, like Scalloway. The impact of immigration and a changing economy meant that those who lived on Hildesay had to move elsewhere, but there was still life there. A family on a neighbouring island used to take the quarrymen back and forth between Hildesay and the mainland. Sometimes they had to tie them up if they'd had too much to drink, <laughs> added Tommy. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> in 1956, Liberal MP Joe Grimond raised many issues about the sustainability of life on the islands that still exist to this day in places like Fair Isle and Fula. 
These include the need for better job opportunities, infrastructure, transport and resources. Dr Ian Tate said centralisation was not the happy bedfellow of subsistence. He said it was much more of a challenge to live on the outer islands. You can only live there if your work can be done from there, he said. Same yep. things haven't changed that much on the outer island. Mind you, these days with computers and you exactly. can work from home, you know, there is yeah. that more chance of being able to do that. It might help, mightn't it? But it is a problem because I see, and I can't remember which island, but the ferry uh, between one of the islands and the mainland is not running at the moment because they haven't got enough people to man it um, through oh, sickness. right. Um, you know, it's only for a few days, but what mm. do you do getting up the ferry? Yeah. Mm. Well, here we are at the end of another programme. Do you realise it's only five months till Christmas? On that note, I will say cheerio to you all. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Keep warm. <laughs>